Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. What's going on, everybody? It's Mercedes Terrell from Bellator MMA. Hey, this is Billy Howard L. from the Perfect Circle. Hey, I'm Adam Carolla. Hey, this is Max from the Arcells. Hi, this is Tina Stoll. I'm a driver in the NHRA. Hey, this is Dallas Smith. Hi, I'm uh, Commander Chris Hadfield. I'm Danny Danko. I'm the Senior Cultivation Editor for High Times Magazine. Hey, guys, guess what? I'm Jake the Snake Robertson. You're not. Yeah, bad break for you. You're listening to the Toddcast Podcast, but you didn't know. The Toddcast Podcast is powered by The Pint, Vancouver's favorite sports bar at 455 Abbott Street and online at vancouver.thepint.ca. Now, here's your host, Todd Hancock. If you had to pick one career highlight, could you do it? Or is it just way too hard to nail it down to one thing? Personally, after working in terrestrial radio for almost 20 years, almost 15 of those at CFOX in Vancouver, at one point arguably the best rock station in the country, winning awards and crushing in the ratings, a damn near bulletproof on-air lineup, there's a lot of things personally for me that come to mind. Doing world album premieres with Metallica, Nickelback, Velvet Revolver, hanging out all day with Slash, Lars, Chad Kruger doing my radio show from Dublin at the Jameson Whiskey Distillery, flying first class there and back, first class accommodations. That was incredible, something I'll never forget. Broadcasting from the Irish House for the duration of the 2010 Winter Olympics. These are memories I will have for the rest of my life, and we all have them. And that is what this week is all about. You'll hear from 12 guests as they share their stories, their career highlights. Musician, songwriter, record producer, badass, Devin Townsend stopped by the podcast studio. I think we did about a 70-minute podcast together, but we hung out for a couple hours, maybe even more. Really good dude. You'll know him, of course, from Strapping Young Lad, and then into his solo career where he started, you'll hear hard rock and new age. There's ambient, full symphony orchestras. He's incredibly talented, a smart guy, a humble guy. Check out what he said about career highlights. If it ended now, okay, here's a career highlight. If it ended now, I still have buddies that would help me move. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> there you go. It's true. That's a... I got friends that have got my back, man, through all this shit. Right. And it's like 30-year relationships, man. And it's like, I think... If there's a litmus test for the fact that, yeah, I was an asshole back then and I messed this up and I got super high for a while and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, well, that's living. Right? That's living. Totally. Yeah. And the fact that there's people in my world now that are, are um, that still care enough about me to like tell me the truth is awesome. Melissa Etheridge has been around since 1988. Her debut album went to number 22 on the Billboard 200. Her single, Bring Me Some Water, was nominated for a Grammy Award for the Best Rock Vocal Performance. She didn't win, but she did win in 1993 for her song, Ain't It Heavy. She won another Grammy Award for Come To My Window. She sold well over 6 million copies worldwide. It's an impressive career, to say the least. I I have had so many. I really... It's tough to say. I I would have to say um, singing with Bruce Springsteen, definitely one. The uh, 
the Grammys of 2005 when I was able to step back on stage after, well, while, while being in treatment for cancer, that's probably the one that has had the most, that still has reverberations. People still come up and talk to me about that. And mm. that's been 12 years ago. When you talk about influential rap bands, Run DMC has got to be near the top of the list. The first group in the genre to have a gold album, the first to be nominated for a Grammy Award, the first to earn a platinum record, the first to earn a multi-platinum certification, the first to have videos on MTV, the first to appear on American Bandstand and the cover of Rolling Stone, the only hip-hop act to perform at Live Aid in 1985, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2009. From all of that, listen to what DMC says about career highlights. Meeting Sarah McLachlan, because her music saved my life. I was an alcoholic, metaphysical, spiritual, suicidal wreck who was about to kill himself. And this was 93, 1993, I heard Sarah McLachlan's record, Angel. And when I heard that record, Angel, that was the only thing that would kept me from jumping off roofs. For one whole year, all I did was listen to Sarah McLachlan records. Um, I got the pleasure of meeting her by going to a party that I didn't want to go to because my manager was like, let's keep Daryl busy. As long as we keep him busy, he won't kill himself. So mm-hmm. my manager took me to Clive Davis' Grammy party, and um, I got to meet Sarah McLachlan. And then three years after that meeting, I got to um, record a song with her. And just her music, her as a person, you know, I told her, the name of the record is Angel, you sound like Angel, people say you're Angel to me, you're Angel, but you're not Angel to me, you're God, your your music saved my life. And she looked at me and she said, thank you for telling me that, Daryl, because that's what music is supposed to do. And since that meeting, that is one of the first, um, that is one of the most prolific statements that is ingrained in me as an artist. That's what music is supposed to do. It's not about being rich and famous. It's about being money. It's about touching and saving people's lives. And simply put, Steel Panther write catchy songs. They're fun. Pre-COVID, they toured the world. Girls getting up on stage and ripping off their shirts. People partying backstage. Playing sometimes to 50,000 people at festivals. Their live show is one of the best all time. Here's what Steel Panther singer Michael Starr says about career highlights. Each step of the way is a highlight. So like even when we were a cover band back in early 2000s, we were selling out the Viper Room. So at that moment, that was like the best ever. You know, you're on the Sunset Strip selling out the Viper Room. And then we go to the Roxy and start selling that out. And that, to me, in my career, was a, a huge success story for us. And then we went to even a bigger club called the Key Club. Double the capacity. Sold that out every Monday. Another milestone. Then the House of Blues played there until it closed down. We actually played there. We played more shows at the Hollywood Sunset House of Blues than any other band ever had played there. So that's a big milestone. And then to go play Download Festival in Donington in the UK to 75,000 people two bands before Aerosmith on the main stage. Wow. Pretty big deal. Then, to go play Vakken this year, we're going to play in Germany. It's a festival that holds 100,000 people. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I wish my 
penis would do that. <laughs> Musical guests of the Toddcast podcast are powered by Pineapple Sound, providing recording and mixing services for a wide range of artists and genres since 2013. Check them out at pineapplesound.com.
absolutely love that band, Bend Sinister, B-E-N-D, Bend Sinister, and Better Things to Do. You know, prior to the pandemic, we had an acoustic night planned with their singer, Dan Moxon. Of course, that got canceled. But now with things, you know, kind of being back to quote-unquote normal, we're doing those acoustic Q&A shows at the Blue Light Studio in East Vancouver. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Perhaps you'll see Dan do something with us. That's called foreshadowing. All right, stop me if you've heard this before. It's coming up 10 minutes from now. This week, UFC Octagon announcer Bruce Buffer talking about the evolution of the organization of the sport. That is powered by our friends at FKP MMA, Vancouver's number one training destination, fkpmma.com. My little guy, my youngest, Levi, has been going there for about a year now, I guess. He's able to go, I think it's three times a week. He decides to go just a couple. There's other things on the plate besides arm bars and spinning back fists and you know, all that stuff. Great stuff. It's, it's awesome. He loves the self-defense, the self-esteem. If you're thinking of MMA, FKP is the place to be. And of course, if you're going to, Hey, that, that rhymed. And of course, if you're going to watch some fights, our title sponsor, the pint, your favorite Vancouver sports bar has all the UFC fights on their big screen TVs throughout the entire place. Always down to watch the fights. Can't wait to get group meetups together as well and watch some Canucks games. Canucks are coming. 455 Abbott Street, Gastown, Vancouver. Let's be honest. It's a staple of the night when we're out partying downtown. As we go back to more career highlight stories and a handful of our past sporting guests, NHRA national event winner Alexis DeJoria broke onto the scene in 2005 in the super gas category. It only took her eight months, under a year, for her to get her first win. Then she moved on to race top alcohol funny car. She was the second woman to race under four seconds with a 3.997 second quarter mile in Pomona, California. Oh, gosh. My career highlight was winning the U.S. Nationals at Indianapolis, the 60th anniversary. It just doesn't get any better than that. And being able to do it in in the most amazing fashion against John Force, the most winningest funny car driver mm-hmm. in, his, in the history of NHRA, beating him in the finals, like waxing him on the tree. I, I mean, and I love John. This isn't a diss at all, but to do to do that against the greatest funny car driver to ever live. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the finals to beat him in the finals to win that race is. I mean, there's nothing better. And to be able to give that, you know, Wally to Connie Kalita, who I I had the pleasure and uh, you know to race for him was just incredible in, in itself. I mean, he's a legend. He's amazing and he was the last one to win an indie an indie race you know on that team so to be able to give him another indie win uh was just really mm. incredible that guy yeah. has got to taste mm, 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 good yeah that <laughs> and my whole family and their family was there too my dad was there awesome. and this is the funniest thing so i had won races before that obviously but he had never been there for a win mm. and that was his first win <laughs> like being with me that was his first win was in was the u.s nationals and my husband was there my kids were there it was just 
It was, it was incredible. You'll know MMA fighter Benson Henderson from his time with the UFC and currently fighting with Bellator MMA. He's a former UFC lightweight champion, a former WEC lightweight champion. He has big wins over Nate Diaz, Cowboy Donald Cerrone, Frankie Edgar, Jorge Masvidal. Check out what Benson said about career highlights. You can take your pick. For me personally, I don't really have one. Like I've had a lot of great experiences and a lot of amazing experiences. But I, I like to normally I take that question back to who's ever asking. I ask them what my their favorite uh, career thing of mine was. And I say I go with that one, right? Um, <laughs> right, because there's but, so like, many, is what you're saying. For me, I, I had so many, and they're all, yeah, they're all, they're all really cool. Like I appreciate each one for for what it's worth, but like, I don't know, like they're cool. I like them all, but normally I ask the person like which which one of their favorite is, uh, which right. one of mine is their favorite, and I go with that one. Sticking with MMA, you know UFC ring card girl Ariane Celeste for more reasons than fighting. She's been on so many magazine covers, Maxim, FHM, Sports Illustrated, Playboy. Her Playboy issue was the top-selling issue that year. She was a co-host of Overhaulin' back in 2014 and 2015. Over 4 million people follow her on social media. A crazy career. My career highlight, hmm. Honestly, think it's just like traveling the world because I I know I came from a very you know not not rich family. We're all like working class family, and for me to be out of this country and see so many beautiful places and meet so many beautiful people and be able to experience that is just like so. It's, it has been such an experience. I never thought that I'd even get out of Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> so. That has been probably the highlight. Yeah. And being on the cover of Playboy was pretty cool too. And when Boseco Locombo was a guest of the podcast back in 2018, he was a linebacker for the BC Lions. The first day of 2019's free agency, he signed a one-year contract with the Montreal Alouettes. Had a great year with them, 51 defensive tackles, eight special team tackles, and two interceptions. He played linebacker and safety for the Owls. And Locombo's playing rights were traded to the Toronto Argonauts at the start of 2020. You'll love what Boseco considers his career highlight. I think probably going, you know, um, having the chance to, to experience the NFL a bit. Yeah. And um, and I don't know if you knew this, but the Ravens have always been my favorite team because of one simple guy, Ray Lewis. Okay. And when I was when I signed with um, with the Ravens, we uh, um, during our regular season back in 2017, we had a game in London, and um, it was versus the Jaguars. And they did a little um, kind of community service work thing in, in London. And um, Ray Lewis ended up showing up to that community service. And nice. Like, I um, I was starstruck, you know, because I've been following him football ever since I got into football. He's, he, he was my favorite player. He's been my favorite player. You know, now he's retired, you know, kind of doing his own thing. Writing, like, I even bought his book, um, All That, All That. And to actually be in the same field as him and to see him, and to talk to him, you know what I'm saying? Like, that was probably the highlight of my career because it was somebody I looked up to for a long time. And I shared something with them, and they're just like, yeah, it was, it was special. Music, sports, entertainment, 
lifestyle. You're listening to the Toddcast Podcast. You've heard this before on the Toddcast podcast. As a fan of MMA, you're well aware of the veteran voice of the Octagon, Bruce Buffer, the official announcer for the UFC events. It's time! He announces the main events. Oddly, like what are the chances his half-brother is boxing and pro wrestling ring announcer Michael Buffer? Incredible. 
Bruce holds a black belt in Tang Soo Do and has fought as a kickboxer himself. And when he called up to be a guest, we talked about binge-watching shows Daredevil and Shark Tank, great shows. He shared what it's like to have such a unique vantage point of the UFC. He talked about the first McGregor-Diaz fight. We got into comic books and collecting sports memorabilia. He even shared a near-death experience story. And stop me if you've heard this before, Bruce talked about the early days of the UFC and how it's been an evolutionary process for the organization. Yeah, I mean, you're dealing with a, a spectacle. You know, it, it went from a spectacle to sport is exactly what happened. Right. And, uh, you know, the rules had to be modified. They had to be refined. The uh, words mixed martial arts weren't even invented until about, I think, seven years into, uh, six or seven years into the UFC's existence by... Uh, an ex-commentator, Jeff Blatnick, who passed away a few years ago um, mm. and was the man who overcame cancer to win the gold medal in the Olympics. It's just, it's different. You know, it, it, it was amazing back then, but it would not have got as big as it was today if it, had, if it had not been refined because it was just too much of a spectacle. Stop me if you've heard this before on the Toddcast podcast is powered by FKP MMA, Vancouver's number one training destination at fkpmma.com.
how good is that one going to be live? The band is Best Night Ever. Fantastic song for those guys called Better. I'd be willing to bet that you'll see that one live this Friday. They're playing a podcast, Blue Light Sessions at Blue Light Studio in East Vancouver. Think acoustic, a Q&A throughout the entire performance. You get to ask questions of the band as well. This is our third show back since the pandemic, and it feels so good, feels so right. Hopefully you can make it out. It's just 20 bucks in advance through eventbrite.ca. That's eventbrite, B-R-I-T-E dot C-A. Search out Toddcast. It's, I think the only event up there right now. It's 25 bucks if you wait for the door. Now, keep in mind though, there's only 60 tickets sold for this show. So if you want to get a guaranteed spot, buy a ticket today. We're talking about career highlights on this week's podcast, and now some stories from past entertainment guests. Canadian Brent Butt is one of Canada's best comics. He's been working on the craft since 1988. You'll best know Brent from his role as Brent on Corner Gas. He's won four Canadian Comedy Awards, was honored with the Comedy Network's Sir Peter Ustinov Award for his significant body of comedic work. So what's Brent Butt's career highlight? You know, after we did the, the series, we did six seasons, 107 episodes, the notion, we all kind of liked the idea of coming back in a few years and doing a movie, doing an actual theatrical movie of Corner Gas. Mm. And so that was always on our radar. And that happened five years after the final uh, live action show aired we we made this movie took us about two and a half years to write it because it was was a very tricky thing to write but at the end of the day really happy with the movie and and the response to the movie was way more than anybody expected like we were like physically selling out theaters None of us expected that. I remember getting a call from my brother in Calgary. Saying, I'm trying to go to your stupid movie and I can't get a ticket. <laughs> I was like, am I supposed oh. to be upset by that? Or right. <clears throat> so anyway, the, the network approached us after the success of the film. And they said, you know, obviously the appetite is still there. People still want to see Corner Gas. Do you have any interest in doing more episodes? And we, we just kind of didn't. We thought, you know, just coming back and doing more of the same would feel, you know, it would very much feel like kind of a rut. But, you know, it's a nice offer, and, and the notion of being employed is always, you know, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, you know, if we, we even my partners and we started talking about this, if we were to do something, what would we do? And that's when the idea of animation came up, because we had talked about it once before, of doing an animated scene during the live action show. We did a, uh, an animated Lego version of Corner Gas, like a scene, in one of the episodes. Right. And we had talked about doing a regular animated thing. It never came together. It wasn't practical, but... So anyway, when we were started kicking around this idea of what could we do, that came up. It was like we started re- revisiting the notion of an animated corner gas. If you're even remotely a comic book fan, the shows, the movies, one series worth watching is Supergirl, filmed here in Vancouver, and actor David Harewood plays the role of Martian Manhunter. You'll remember him also in Homeland as the CIA's counterterrorism director. That is a great show. He's a brilliant actor, trained at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art, has a ton of TV and film experience going back to like 1993, a true master of the art with a beautiful career highlight. Wow, career highlight. I mean, I mean, it's 
it, it has has to be Homeland. I mean, I mean, literally, the 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 the, the, year, the year I got Homeland. Uh, my my the year before I got Homeland, my best mate in the world, who used to kind of make me laugh and tell me all these, you know, he just used to laugh all the time. He was the one person who was convinced that I was going to make it and um, was would always just, con- just tell me, look, don't worry about it. You're going to make it. I've got no, no fear about it whatsoever. Absolutely convinced about it. And uh, on, on my daughter's birthday, we were about to walk out um, and go, and get, go and get some food for my daughter's birthday. I got this phone call and he died. Just He had a routine knee operation and he was dead. And uh, it just completely destroyed me. Wow. I was kind of like, I just lost my kind of rock. And I was, I kind of was heavily grieving for about a year. I, I didn't work for nine months. I just lost all my mojo, mm. lost my confidence, just couldn't, I just couldn't do it. I, and I was just convinced I was going to go under. I couldn't pay my mortgage. I was fucked. I was just, no, I had no money. Mm. I, and, and I was, I was near bone and he broke. And um, my manager phoned me up and said, uh, I said, look, you know, I've got this job. Uh, you know, they want to, they want you tape. Would you put yourself on tape? And I refused it. I said, no, I'm not in the mood. And then about a month later, he said, look, Dave, you know, Dave's still asking, would you really put yourself on tape? I said, I really, I haven't got the, I haven't got it. He went, just, he said, just put yourself, just, just do it. He said, just put yourself on tape. Just one time, just raise yourself and just do it. And I, and I did it. And then about a month later, uh, I got a phone call from my agent saying, congratulations. I said, what's that? He said, you just got Homeland. <laughs> awesome. And I, 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 I took a phone down and I said to my wife, I, I fucking got it. She said, what? I said, I've got that job, Homeland. And my wife started to tear up. And I, and she, I said, what's up? She said, do you know what day it is today? I went, no. She went, it's Louis's birthday. It's my mate's fucking birthday. Come on. I swear to God, on his birthday the next year, and I have not stopped working since. Wow. Dude, I literally have my arm hair is standing and on the, end right the, now. The, the, the dude from being broke one year and grieving and lost. The very next year, we won everything. So it won the Golden Globes. It, wow. won, it, won, it, won, it won everything. So I was one year broke, you know, you know just absolutely um, down to my last. Dollar, and then the next year I was, I'm, at, I'm, you know, at parties with fucking movie stars and TV stars, and walking past Charlie Theron and Leonardo DiCaprio and De Niro, and, and I, I'm like in this room with all these fucking megastars, and I'm just sitting there thinking, Jesus Christ, you know, it can happen that quickly. What you know? a so story! I, I just kind of thought to myself, this is from from being really low to being really high. So that was that was my. That that year, winning winning everything with Homeland and the Emmys and the Golden Globes, and every time I went down that red carpet, I was just thinking, Jesus Christ, when is you? Yeah, so wow. was, that was, those are my highlights. If you lived in Canada in the late 80s, early 90s, the name Ed the Sock should be ringing bells. I was a big fan of what he did on Much, Much Music. A talking cigar, pushing the boundaries, calling out celebrities. How could you not like that? Green hair, green eyebrows, a scowl, a take-no-shit approach to the arts. I left Much Music, I started on Much Music in City TV in 1994, left in 2008. That's a lot of time and a lot of highlights and a lot of lowlights. 
So trying to think of what did I enjoy the most, it's pretty difficult to figure out what I liked the most. It's easier to figure out the people I liked the least, but mostly <laughs> I didn't pay that much attention. It was just a job. I went in, I did my shtick, I went the hell home. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Um, but highlights, I really liked uh, being at Woodstock 99. Oh, yeah, I bet. Because I was live on the air, I was the person, and this was noted in the media, I was the person who first said, this is about to go straight to hell. And it did. And I was the one who predicted it. Which, you know, that's sort of odd notoriety, but I watched that for three days in blistering heat on a, in a venue that was an old military base, so it had no shade, no place people could skulk in the shadows, and people were charging ten bucks for small bottles of water I knew this was about to boil over. Yeah. And the, that afternoon, when they started knocking over the outhouses and body surfing in the crap, I, uh, th- I knew this was Lord of the Flies. And so being a part of something that's actually unfolding in front of you, historically, that was great fun. But generally, just being on much music, being on a place where they let me say whatever I wanted. Nobody spoke to me beforehand saying, what are you going to talk about? What are you going to say about this? Nobody ever asked me. No one told me not to talk about something. No one gave me hell after. Well, maybe they gave me hell after, but it didn't really matter. Because going forward, they didn't, there was no rules. They allowed, they respected me enough to say, to let me do what I wanted to do, say what I wanted to say, and... They allowed the other VJs of my generation to be who they were. They hired people who they, who they knew, who they trusted, whose personalities they liked, and said, go do your thing. And this, see, this is the thing that's gone missing in those last 10 years. Mm-hmm. As more and more people, media figures and politicians, became very tightly controlled about what they were saying or allowed to say. This is why people around the world are starting to take to, to, to caught into the appeal of an idiot like Trump, because Trump says what he means and means what he says. So I think people are attracted to that as opposed to the crap that comes out of his mouth. My job is to, is to, to come back and do what I always did, which was say what I mean and mean what I say, but do it with some freaking brains. And you'll know Sanjita Patel as an ET Canada host and HGTV's Home to Win host. She started off her career as a presenter on the Weather Network back in 2014. She made Hello Magazine Canada's 50 Most Beautiful People list a big career. So what's been the highlight? Uh, um, I, I'm one of those people who lives for the moment. It doesn't matter what it is. I get excited by everything and anything. Um, but, oh, shoot, I don't know. Do you like in terms of meeting someone or just overall? Uh, in general. What, what, what popped to your mind when I said that? Oh, I don't know. I'm just so blessed. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the coolest things is that I'm able to connect with, uh, one of the things I love to do is interviews and having the opportunity to connect with these guys is, it's pretty cool. You know, and a lot of uh, stars would say they, I mean, reporters or say they really connect with people, but you find those moments. And so I like creating those moments. So uh, for me, maybe, oh boy, um, <laughs> it's tough. Uh, the Rock and I are, you know, we message each other. We're friends. Come he knows on. my name. And, That's awesome. you know, we, yeah, it's kind of cool. It is, I, I think of him as a, like an older brother kind of thing, but he he's my he's been my mentor when it comes to fitness because fitness is such a big part part of my life and for him to acknowledge the the amount of work I do so it's something like that maybe like that's really cool to me um, so I don't know yeah there's so many great moments mm-hmm. 
Tough to pick, for sure. Yeah, it's hard. Being at the Golden Globes this year during the Me Too change, I don't know. There's just there's so many. That's a tough one. You're going to have to come back to me on that one. Yeah, I feel the same way. Like, I look back at my career and I'm like, man, I, I don't know. I wouldn't even be, I wouldn't even know where to start. Yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. not quite like you, but I'm, you know, I had a, few, a good run here in Vancouver for 15 yeah. years. So, yeah, it's a tough one. It is, yeah. Everything's been great. I've been blessed. I've been, I'm lucky for where I am right now, even home to win to do that. You know, that's a highlight being able to give away a house to a family that deserves it at yeah. the end of her. That's, like, that's so cool. That, it that's is the coolest. amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, like it is. And I'm the only one who knows. Like there's 50 of us out there and I'm the only one who knows who won the house. And so my director's in my ear and he goes, okay, this is the one time you get to deliver this line. Don't F it up. Right. Um, and <laughs> we so, are not double taking this. No, don't cry. Right. Like, your temperature, your lips is trembling. Try to get rid of that. You know, take your moment. Um, and like, that's just like, okay, maybe that's the highlight is to give away a house, a million dollar house. Like that's just insane. Podcast Podcast Entertainment Guest Visits are powered by Canuck Auctions, Canada's largest memorabilia and collectibles auction house. Find them online at canuckauctions.com. Just a solid ass-kicking 
That band is Wayne Grow. Love that song. Bathed in Tongues. They've got to be among the top for the genre for Vancouver bands. As we put this Career Highlights podcast to bed, thank you so much for being there. We know there are some choices for you, and we don't take it for granted that you've picked our podcast. Hope you like what you heard as well. 12 guests sharing career highlights. Now, normally we do three guests per week podcasts, release them on Tuesdays. And my name is Todd Hancock. If you're not already, you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud. You can see all video interviews at our YouTube channel, all at Toddcast Podcast. Comment and rate the podcast. It helps out with those search engine results, which is big in our world. Huge thanks to all of our fantastic sponsors. We straight up couldn't do it without their support. There are a lot of moving parts to this podcast. The behind the scenes stuff you don't see, you know, paying people to help with social media, video creation. Now that we're back doing those live shows at the Blue Light Studio in East Vancouver, we'll likely have someone at our events handing out stickers and shaking babies, kissing hands kind of thing, right? You can find links to all sponsor websites at toddhancock.ca, right on the homepage uh, towards the bottom there. If you want to sponsor the podcast, you can for as little as 10 bucks a day. Contact info is at the homepage. Help us find a sponsor and get a commission based on the initial ad buy. Right. Let's put this one to bed till next week. Don't be an asshole. Nobody wants to be around that. Have fun, play hard, and most of all, believe in yourself. You've been listening to the Toddcast podcast powered by the pint. Vancouver's favorite sports bar at 455 Abbott Street and online at vancouver.thepint.ca. Hey, I'm Jillian Clare, the host of the podcast, Thanks for Coming In. I've accumulated some pretty crazy audition stories over the past 20 years, and so have my friends. And I was like, you know what? No, not going to do this. And then Disney calls and is like, we need you to come test for the Ant-Man movies. I didn't know if my scene was going to get cut or not. Ooh, I could play that. Tune in every Thursday to hear your favorite actors tell the funniest, saddest, and most cringeworthy audition stories. Sometimes even the one that got away. Thanks for Coming In is available on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.